Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. is the Toffee Web Podcast. Kalajic and Totti are readied inside the last six minutes at Goodison Park. Now Pedro Neto, high forward for Wolves. Neto with the angle ball and it's turned in! Kalajic! It's his first goal! He arrived last summer but was immediately stricken with injury. He's only been on the field a short amount of time but that's what you call an impact substitute. Well, he's just too powerful and too strong and he has pushed Wolves in front and it is Finally, 1-0. Very good performance in so many ways, creating quality of chance is key for me. We created quality of chance against Fulham, didn't win. Their key was man of the match. Very similar story today. The signs are right, but you've got to take responsibility in scoring a goal. You know, you can't just wait for a goal to go in, and it looks a bit like that sometimes. Everyone's waiting for someone else. You've got to take responsibility to score a goal. Hello Blues, welcome back to the Toffee Web Podcast. It's three games, three defeats and no goals scored now for Everton. Not the kind of historical club first you want to be setting, but that's where we are. Rock bottom of the Premier League and once again being talked about in terms of crisis and another protracted battle against relegation. But has much needed help arrived in the form of Beto, our £26 million signing from Udinese? Time will tell, of course, as it will when it comes to further additions before Friday's transfer deadline. Uh, it's the evening of Tuesday as you record, and I'm joined by Adam, Andy, and Paul. Uh, Adam, we'll get into the uh, Wolves' defeat in a moment, uh, but I'll come to you first for your reaction to the fact that after trying for well over a year, Everton have finally signed a striker worthy of the name uh, Norberto Besik Gomez Betuncal, Beto on his shirt, Nobby to his mates. Your reaction on a day uh, we never thought we'd see. Yeah, better to me as well for now, but uh, yeah, well done for uh, <laughs> memorising that. Um, I'm very excited, very excited. Um, not just because this is a miraculous, uh, feels like an almost once in a, a lifetime event of Everton signing a centre forward um, and a competent looking one at that. Um, but what a nice guy. The the video of his unveiling, just I, I was so 
enraptured by it. It's it's uh, sometimes these kind of flashy Instagram reveals with loads of graphics, and then you see a kind of brooding man looking at you through your phone screen. It doesn't really kind of capture the imagination, which you know, I'm sure it, it might do for some. But hearing someone talk about courage, confidence, effort, and to do so with such, yeah enthusiasm and likability um it gave me a lot of confidence for what he's going to do he he seems like a confident guy um the clips on youtube which i know is a dreadful rabbit hole to fall down but he looks like he can finish he looks big powerful he's got a bit of pace about him he scored goals in a difficult league in Serie A. um and most importantly he's he's a striker so thank god for that um, can't wait to see him, whether that's tomorrow night at Doncaster or probably the more likely case, uh, it'll be in uh, uh, Bramall Lane on Saturday. But yeah, very, very needed um, after Saturday um, and after years of not filling this role. And I guess you only have to look at two of the previous uh, number 14s we've signed um, before Beto, we signed... Cenk Tozen, uh, Umanias, um, both number 14s, uh, both forwards, um, but also Stephen Naismith, who we picked up on a free and did a decent job. Um, so, yeah, hopefully Beto is a little bit more like him uh, than those uh, those last two strikers. But, yeah, positive, positive, and lo- looking forward to seeing him play in blue. Andy's back for, from his jollies in sunny Spain, just in time for the uh, final week of the transfer window. Um, Adam's right, doesn't he? He looks like he'll be um, a good fit. Obviously, we don't know if he's going to be a success, but he certainly ticks a lot of the boxes in terms of being an alternative to um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, dare I say it, it looks like there's a plan here. Um, And I don't think we can really understate that. For quite a while, our recruitment has, as we've spoken about for months and months and months and years, it doesn't look like it's got a plan. It's a bit scattergun, um, to say the least. That's being kind. Where you can certainly see a plan in getting somebody who is of a profile, of an age, of a stature, of a, a the type of player that we would use in a system that we play. Um, I mean, it's it's, it's so surprising. It's just it, this is how it should work. I mean, if you look at the, the the striking options available, if they are all available to Sean Dyche now, you've got Dominic Carvert Lewin, you've got Beto, you've got Chimiti. Okay, you've also got Mope, but I don't know whether that's going to change by the time the transfer window finishes. But you'd think he wouldn't be in the reckoning now. You've got three players there who look similar. They look like you could interchange them. One's a younger lad learning. The other two are a bit more established. One's had his injury problems. One, touch wood, has certainly not had injury problems in Beto. So, yeah, this is like, this is a return to to kind of the time under Moyes where you had succession planning and you had a clear identity of players you wanted to bring in. I mean, I go along with Adam. It's the first time in a while that I've actually watched one of those videos with any real gusto. And I'm excited today. I, 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 I mean, I, you know, it's not as if it's a guy that scored 30 goals and he's coming here with the, we've beaten everybody else to the signature. No, it's not like that. But it's a kind of, it's a clear thought process that's gone on to get a player that we desperately need. Um, I didn't expect this one to happen. I must must admit, I I thought we would get Chimiti as a as a project. I thought we might get somebody else on loan who could play up front, maybe, if DCL's not fit. I did not see this. And the other surprising thing to this is that we can do the deal. Now, I know I've heard quite a lot about when we're going to start paying and how much we're going to start paying might not be for a while. In, in which case, credit where credit's due to the play, to the people who did this deal. We don't really know who that is in, the, in, in, <laughs> in any great certainty, but you'd think Kevin Felwell was at the centre of it. And fair play, you've got somebody who is of the right profile, who clearly wants to be here and instantly improves us. Um, done A deal done in a way that seems to suit Everton as well. So um, for all those reasons, I'm in. 
Yeah, agreed, hundred uh, percent. Really, um, all them things. It's um, it's good. In Chimisi, um hopefully that gives him that platform to develop in the way that we've seen Dominic Calvert Lewin but develop. And he was like, you know, just on the yet getting minutes here and there and learning his craft, and uh, so that's really good. But um, gives gives Dominic the opportunity to to get fit and competitions really really important, isn't it? And we just haven't had enough of that for a long, long time. So having a, a player who's I think. Just yeah, you know, yeah. As as Andy said, yeah, it's, it's not like we've beaten loads of players. So it's, it seems to be a signature, but it's quite a proven player and quite a highly rated player. You know what I mean? In 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 the football and world, that I'm just really pleased to get a striker through the door. That, that that's highly thought of. That doesn't feel like a panic buy. That should make a big difference because boy, God knows we need it. And I'm sure we'll go through the we'll pocket part of the Wolves game later. But no goals yet. Everton this season. It's obviously clear where the where the clear from the particularly the, the first and third game of the season where the where the problems lie. Um I wonder how I wonder if, as well if Kevin Kevin Thalwell knows quite a lot about this lad. Wolves, it's no secret that they signed so many Portuguese players for him to sort of go and target a Portuguese player and bring one in. Suggests to me that he's sort of play he's been on his radar for quite a long time, going back probably to his time at Wolves and Perhaps the same with Chimiti, you know what I mean? So it's uh, and they produce good players. Portugal they're always want, they're always thereabouts in competitions, aren't they? Um, I've read before they had a 55 man squad ahead of the 2022 <laughs> World Cup. So oh, wow. five players, a lot of uh, handy players to, to, to narrow it down to. Beto was one of them. Didn't quite make the the cut from there, but um, yeah, it's obviously they got a lot of talent there. So it's not a bad market to be fishing in because. Players don't seem to normally be massively expensive coming from there either. So maybe he's uh, could be onto something there. But anyway, I'm uh, digressing a little bit. Um, Mope, I expect to leave now. Um, really, this gives Tom Cannon a chance to go back out on loan. And probably most importantly for everyone, it might be the last time we see Michael Keane up front. So uh, they could. Um... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of things to be uh, a lot of things to be positive about with this one. Never say never. <laughs> a, a, a quick one on that as well about the, the idea of a strategy as well. I think it's worth saying that this is the second player we've signed this summer who we tried to sign in January, which again suggests targeting the right kinds of players. Um, and it, it's also there's that kind of sliding doors moment where obviously the Dan Juma deal didn't happen because of all that messy situation with Lampard um, obviously being sacked. You do wonder if you know, what different world we'd be in if, say, that had happened earlier, if we'd stuck by Lampard and we'd had, say, Dan Juber and Beto in the, uh, in the squad from January last year. But, yeah, we've got them now at least. Indeed. And, yeah, it does speak to a, a strategy. And, I mean, if you're, you know, and this was the case for Marcel Brands as well, who, you know, didn't really get the chance to sort of see through the project, I think he wanted to. But as a director of football, you're... you're your horizons, your timescale are a lot longer, I think, than the fans would like. And so it is nice to see that, you know, there is a, a, a plan there, an recruitment plan there, and this didn't work in January. The key thing, obviously, was that we stayed in the Premier League last season and we can now hopefully try and, and kick on and, and, and sort of build some uh, build some momentum. And, uh, yeah, I, I like the profile of Beto. I don't think he's going to be prolific. I think if we're looking at if he can make double figures, he'll obviously be... He'll be an instant success straight away. If he was a twenty goal a season man, I think someone like Tottenham, who are looking obviously for a striker to replace Harry Kane, they got you know big bucks uh, burning a hole in their pocket. They they would probably have been in for him, and we wouldn't have made it wouldn't have been in, in with the shout. So um, I think it's going to be uh, you know a good signing. And the the big thing for me is it just takes the pressure off everybody now. This 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 pressure on Calvert Lewin to be fit. This pressure on you know on Neil Mope to, to to come up with just something, uh, the pressure for uh, Chimiti to come in and, and sort of hit the ground running. I think it's nice that he's got a, um, a compatriot there who can kind of help bring him bring him on. Um, so yeah, uh, as I said, I don't think he's going to start against Doncaster, but I think you know hopefully we'll see him at the weekend. No, no escaping the uh, the Wolves the Wolves game. Uh, we'll come back to transfers. And a little bit later and discuss the possibility that another one of our more important players could leave before the deadline. But uh, let's deal with last Saturday first. Adam, there was a lot put on the home game with Wolves and the fear was that it would go the same way as the Fulham game, which it obviously did. Uh, do we take heart from the fact that we're making chances, particularly now that we have better through the door? Or should we genuinely be fearful that we're missing them and dropping valuable points in these games that we really need to be winning? 
yeah, it was, well, it was very, very, very similar to that Fulham game. Um, another another defeat with um, the opposing side's first shot on target, a lot of really good chances created, um, a lot of really good chances wasted. Um, a lot was made of that Jose Sar save from Decore's downward header, but you've, you've got to feel that Beto... Eto, even <laughs> me coming back from shopping at Neto um, could have could have put that one away. It was um, I didn't have that prepared either. By the way, uh, I'm just uh, I'm just going into beat going into beat poetry when uh, when I finish off today. But um, yeah, it was it was just an unbelievable chance. I I, I couldn't believe. Um, it was it was one of those where you're just waiting for the net to bulge, and obviously, it inevitably doesn't. Um, we were again the victim of uh, a tight, a tight decision. Albeit this one was probably the right one, but um, so yes, there is promise there, and there were again, like the Fulham game, not not the Villa game. It must be said there were kind of glimpses of promise. Whether it was endeavour, if not always, end product from Dobbin, um, Anana playing some great balls through, uh, played played a great one through for Dan Juma, which was. Also, rule off side, but looked really tight um, if he had scored. Um, but then, much like the Villa game, really strange passages of play from the experienced players who you'd expect more from. Um, Ashley Young was infuriating at times, not just for his set piece delivery, which I think I, I'm pretty sure I jinxed him very early on when we signed him and said, <laughs> oh, that'll be nice to have another option from set pieces in Ashley Young. And uh, his his delivery from corners at weekend was uh, nothing short of woeful. But um, although he did, he did do one kind of nice short sort of free kick routine with Dan June, which led to a chance. But yeah, besides that, we were very, very wasteful from set pieces, which you've got to feel with the players and the presence that we've got, and especially now with Beto coming into the side as well, you'd really like to see James Garner or someone else um, or Ashley Young actually doing kind of what he has the ability to do um, and not waste those chances. Um, But yeah, also the goal itself, very sloppy defending a a kind of rash clearance, which again, I think was from Ashley Young, Young. And then a very simple ball. And then it's the inevitable Guy who's never scored for team just comes back from injury, and there we go again. So, yeah, very, very frustrating. Um, on reflection now, and maybe it's the new signing kind of um, changing my perspective on it a little bit. But um, at the time, it, it felt very, very, very disappointing, um, but also very predictable. Hopefully, with the sign of Beto, with the likes of McNeil coming back, with other players kind of finding sort of full fitness, like to Dan Juma. Obviously, Harrison to come in to the side as well. Um, hopefully, we'll have a bit more. Oh, and also worth saying as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about, um, Jad Bramthwaite slotted in and looked as though he kind of played at that level for years. So that was, again, another positive. There were positives there, but sadly, the same nil point across the board. Yes, the the call, the, the call. I just thought, why, why, why didn't he just volley it that chance? He seemed to stoop so low to head it, and at all the time, they were just absolutely just put his foot through that, and it would have been a goal. That was um really frustrating one. Um, yeah, Ashley Young as well. I don't know why. I don't get. It was so many, so many corners for you. Actually, don't quite get why he didn't. They didn't change the just change the taker. James Garner was on the pitch the whole time. It didn't really. It didn't really make much sense to me, but. I mean, yeah, you know, I was actually in the in the corporate lounge for this one, and we're on the same row, sat sat, and I was just watching this like lack of quality for, but yeah, a lot of chances made and a lot of good, a lot of effort from the players. I have to say that I think they did try very hard, but just literally sat to the left of me was uh, Jack Harrison, Alexi Wilby, and Dwight McNeil, all three of them. I just couldn't every time something happened, I just couldn't have a look over at one of them and be like. Oh, just to have one of you guys on the pitch, mm-hmm. just one of you yeah. on the pitch. So um, I do feel for Sean. Yeah, I do feel for Sean Dyche with the the limitations he has with um you know in, in them areas, and I think all right, well if you just keep on losing games, then obviously they, they're going to have to make some sort of decision um with Sean. But um you know I think it's he's got to be judged when he has his best team available. Um and that would better win as well. If he, I'm quite optimistic that as injuries uh as we recover from injuries um. You know, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll improve. I'm quite sure of that. Um, one thing was in the um, 
Steve Lound was in the was the, the sort of guest speaker uh, inside and in, in in the suite afterwards, and um, he made a good point actually because he said a similar thing. Like no shortage of effort, they all tried the best there. Um, Lewis Dobbin was doing his best up against, but he said he's up against um, I quote one of the best one versus one defenders around, and Nelson Nelson um, Sanado. Yeah. Um, why didn't he switch wings for the while? Just try something different. And that's the thing, I suppose, if you're going to point the finger at Sean Dyke, he's more percentages, isn't he? Then, oh, well, let's switch that around. Let's give that another go and let's move him. You know what I mean? It's not, not one for tinkering too much, is he? You know what I mean? So uh, maybe you're going to criticise. There's a few things like that he could he could pick up on a little bit more. But no, it was a, it was a good effort by the lads. Um, uh, Chabot Blanfleet, very accomplished. I thought he did really well. James Tarkovsky, you mentioned some of the senior players. Young, yeah, I'd like to see I'd like to see him out of the team already, to be honest. I think I'd like to see Mikalenko play there a bit more. Um but James Tarkovsky I thought was very poor. I thought I used the most of the, you could blame you could point the finger at a few players to the goal. Also Ashley Young for not stopping the cross for me, but you know, you know Neto's gonna go onto his right foot there. Um, but Tarkovsky, I thought, was probably the most at fault, and he he, he was probably a bit guilty for the, the sort of chance he had a bit earlier as well, which he put wide in him and Pickford got in a bit of a mix-up, and also perhaps missed the game's best chance as well, uh, or second best chance, James Tarkovsky. Michael Keane might have scored that one, by the way, just throw that out there, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, I think they've got a really. I mean, if you're not, as, it, as you say, if you, if you don't, if if you're not going to score the goal, then make sure you damn well don't concede. I think, I guess, is is the thing. And you know, it's points regardless of not scoring against Fulham and um, and now Wolves. Just quite sloppy defending, really. Yeah, you know I mean, just of costers as well. So both ends of the pitch, I guess, is just the frustration. And uh, yeah, all right, we we wouldn't be delighted if we if you had two points out of the nine, but. We feel a lot bit better about it, wouldn't we? If you got two nil nils, you know what I mean, and and, and, some, and something on the board. So uh, yeah, I need to work on that. But um, keep keep creating them chances. Something's got to go in, I'm sure. It feels like the 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 sloppiness that we've seen for the two goals we've conceded at home, or and, and the other chances we've conceded at home is it's just a symptom of the pressure. I think of when you don't take your chances, when the forward unit is not working how it should work, um, I think it just causes pressure. And and we've been we've been victim of that really. Um it yeah, I agree. I I mean we should at least have two points from those three games. Um I think credit <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say it. I think credit to Sean Dyche in a way I know it's very difficult to say that because we're sitting without a goal and without a point. But he has set a team up with all the problems that he's had with the team, mostly through injury um, and a bit of bad form in there as well. He set teams up that should have won two of the first three games and nothing he could have really changed. Well, no, in those moments, he can't put the ball in the net himself, can he? You know, he can't convert a chance. He, for me, he set two football teams up there that should have won both of those games. Now, that's all he can do. I mean, you might say, why didn't you try this? Why didn't you try that? Of course, yeah, of course. You could level that at any coach. And 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 I think with him, we will have to accept that he doesn't tinker and he doesn't move much around at all. But to be fair, when you've lost your best player from the end of last season... You've lost your only player in the squad that looks likely to score a goal in Calvert Lewin again. You know you've lost, you've, you've lost him. You, you you can't decide what to do at centre half. Although we think we've got there now, I don't think Pickford's played particularly well yet. Although he did play, did there was a couple of good saves against Wolves. I mean, I thought we had a terrible day at Villa. He's just got that kind of there are all these bits that just seem to be going against him at the minute, and still. There are two football teams there that should have won two games. Um, so, I I think, and I know we're kind of talking about the Wolves game at the moment, but to flip it forward, <clears throat> I'm going to stick my neck out on the 29th of August and say, I think this Everton team will be fine. Because if you think about the players to come into it already, and if that's how we're playing already, surely surely we cannot go on like that. And I know we've got more difficult games to come. It's not all going to be Fulham and Wolves at home. But I think we're playing well enough to get results in this league. Um, 
But I just think it's a symptom at the moment. It's a symptom of everything seems to be going against us. We don't take the chances we do make. And then all of a sudden something happens. We've lost the game. Yeah. He more or less said the same thing, you know, in, in the in the comments that, we, that we've had in the intro. He basically said, you know, we against Fulham and against Wolves. We, we should have won both games with, um, you know, with better finishing. And, and as you say, he's not the one who's out there trying to put the ball in the back of the net. I think... Um, the Decore one, it was a bit like the Mari Grays against Bournemouth in May, wasn't it? It was almost like an apology for a header. Like just, just put, just put your head straight through it, you know. It's, anyway, you know, <laughs> you can't, you can't change these things. But uh, yeah, I, I think you're right, Andy. I mean, it's all there, as you said. The effort, the tenacity. I mean, the support from the crowd. It's just that quite often the quality isn't there, and I think we know that. And then the con- the concentration at crucial moments isn't there, and I, and I was. You know, you'd you'd want your your captain and your one of your most experienced players in James Tarkovsky to at least take a just have an awareness of of where the attacker is. I don't think he even looks. You know, when when Kalajic's face popped up on the screen, I was like, "This lad's scoring here." You know, just a six foot seven player against our defense. <laughs> I just you know, you just have a sense for these things. And of course, it only took two minutes, but I mean, I was wondering. I know that you don't want to sort of mess around with the shape of the team too much. If you've got most of the game remaining, but I'm wondering, do you put don't you put like Jared Branthwaite against him as opposed to Tarkovsky? You just kind of shuffle things around, have your taller player against a player like that just for the last couple of minutes. But again, you know, it's just uh, it's sort of looking at things after the after the fact. Yeah, set piece delivery was horrendous. I'm as I said last week, I'm still not uh, still not impressed by Ashley Young by any by any measure. Um, and I too would like to see Vitaly Mikolenko sort of back in there, but uh, you know we'll see. I think uh, as we've seen, uh, uh, Sean Dyche likes to sort of go with 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 experienced players. I just think that we're being let down by our most experienced players, and I think that needs to change. But uh, yeah, I thought, I, and, and going back to those those sort of set piece issues. I think you said it, Paul. We we have a decent free kick take release. I thought we did in James Garner, and yet he hardly took any of them. And, and why, as you said, you know, Ashley Young was allowed to sort of take corner after corner after corner and literally just put them in in, in Jose Sarr's hands. I don't understand, but um, yeah, I thought Onana was much much more improved because we you know I, you know I was critical of him last week. I think he had a pretty good game. Um, Adrissa Gay, on the other hand, was fairly dreadful again. And I do find myself wondering that over the longer term, can we afford to keep both of those in the team? Can we sort of try and um, try and, and sort of integrate Onana as more of the sitting midfielder? A lot of that's obviously going to depend on on having a on a, on a more kind of robust defence. Because I think, as we said last week, the reason why we have them both in there is because we're worried about the defensive vulnerabilities. Um, Chimiti showed some really positive signs, I think, in terms of, of movement and link-up play. And he's got a bit of an attitude about him too, wasn't he? Not afraid to sort of bellow at the ref and, and take a yellow card for uh, for a decision that he thought wasn't the uh, wasn't the right one. I feel a bit... I, feel, I feel, actually feel a bit bad for Lewis Dobbin. He's obviously um, worked his way into Sean Deitch's thinking and been rewarded for that. He just... You know, he just lacks a bit of quality, particularly against someone's, someone like Samedo. And I just find myself wondering with the whole Damari Gray situation, if we haven't sort of cut our nose off a bit to spite our face and sort of keeping him out of the team while we're waiting to sell him when other teams have kind of got their players that might go out the door, they're still playing for them like Che Adams. Um, maybe it's a case of the fact that we just we cannot risk an injury to a to a saleable asset. But um you know, the Damari Gray is the one who got the equaliser against Forrest, for instance, you know, this time last season. Just having someone on the pitch like that who can score out of nowhere, I don't know. I just thought it would have been would have been better. But uh well. I I think I think on paper it probably would have been if you but I'm with you in that I think the Gray deal, because it's mostly profit, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think they're banking on that to yeah. probably unlock a few more. Or, or, or maybe even ones they've already done. Um, you know, I, I think it's just so crucial to get that deal done. Um, I think you're right. Because I'd be like you. I'd be like, well, what? You know, you just as well have him playing then. But yeah, who, who does everyone think was most at fault for the goal? 
I'm I'm going with Tarkovsky. You could point the finger at a few. I, I'm going with Tarkovsky personally. I thought like, you just let, you shouldn't let him have the run. He, he should be using all his mouse and you know nastiness. You know what I mean to sort of uh, to stop that, block him off, bully him a little bit, give him a barge. You know what I mean that sort of stuff. You know, it didn't seem to be any of that. It's made it too easy. But you know, say Pickford, other keepers like Saw, but they just come and just smother that or just you know. You know, you, Leno showed last week you can get away with clapping a player and, and <laughs> yeah. it's probably not going to be a goal against you, you know, so uh, maybe, although, maybe we can't. Although, but, uh, um, well, I was going to say Jordan Pickford didn't the week before, so maybe that kind of... That's true, that's true. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Into his decision-making. Uh, <laughs> I'd agree, but you, you wanted to see someone kind of take control of that situation. I think it was, it was no one did. It was... Um, I think I, I use the word against Villa, but it was it was very naive defending, I think, for everyone involved. Um, it is worth saying that the Pickford save just before that SAR save from Decoro was world class. It was Terrific, a really, wasn't really, it? really yeah. good save. Yeah. Uh, he, he he still has that in his locker. Um, but um, yeah, I, I can I can maybe understand when you, when you see games like the Villa game that you mentioned before, Andy. Uh, you can maybe understand why he's not captain because he still has that sort of. Ability to infuriate at times, uh, John Pitford. But it was it was a fantastic save, and I guess when you see the figures bandied around for like I don't know, um, Man U signing Anana, for example, um, in his rather strange attempt to uh, <laughs> stop a goal the other day, you kind of see the <laughs> figures for him, and then see what what kind of figures were spoken about with Jordan Pickford in the summer, and um, it, it's it's kind of a lot harder to put a price on him, I think, as a as a player, but. Um, but yeah, I'd, if, if I was to pick one player for the goal, I'd, I'd probably say Tarkovsky as well. I think it, it 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 needed it needed someone just to step up and do something. Do you know what it reminded me of a little bit? And it, although it was a slightly slightly different chance um, in the Bournemouth game at the end of last season, there was a ball that was squared. It was at Park End. It, there was a, so it must have been first half. So there was a ball that was squared across, and I think it was Solanke who was kind of in and around the six-yard box. And Mina, Yeri Mina, mm. just stood in front of him. He just blocked him. Mm-hmm. It was a good old-fashioned block. Um, you, you, you know, you're not getting into that space. Simple as that. And that, I think, is what we've lost. That kind of... It's, it, it, it's almost an old-fashioned defensive nous, isn't it? It's, it's, I'm going to put my body here so you can't put yours there. And there was just none of that. There was just... It was just an, a kind of open six-yard box, really, for a six-foot-seven bloke who, who, by the way, if he tried to do that finish again 20 times, he would not do it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, it's hardly a towering header, is it? I mean, I don't know what... I don't I don't actually know where he went to put it, but it, it was a very strange goal, um, mm. which is, again, so typical. So typical that that doesn't come off his shoulder and go wide. Um, but, um, but no, I think that's just what it lacked. It, it, it lacked, it lacked somebody who has that, um, that the bits you don't see really, they don't never make highlight reels because of the good defending. They usually make it because, oh, it's gone across the six yard box and no one was there to tap it in. Well, they weren't there to tap it in because the defender knows what he's doing. Um, I think we could have had another scenario like that, where that might've just gone out of play. You know, if, if someone had stood their ground, which they didn't. They didn't get in the right side of him to begin with, and it's quite a simple one, really. Which is, mm. it must, it, it must be, it must be so infuriating for the, the the coaches on the on the sideline to see to see what we've missed and to see how they scored. Yeah, it feels like we're we were having to work so hard for our goals. Look, there aren't there haven't been any yet, but so hard to score a goal, and yet you get that, which is quite basic. Really, yeah. it's it's a free cross. And it's a non-defensive moment. Um, oh, I'm winding myself up now. So, yeah, sorry, sorry I asked. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's awareness again, isn't it? It's awareness. I mean, yeah, you know, Adam, you said that you wanted just someone to, mm. to give him a barge. He wasn't even close enough to do it. You know, he basically was, was sitting in the few yards between yeah. Patterson and Tarkovsky. And as I say, Tarkovsky doesn't even seem to be aware that he's there, which is kind of scary. But... Uh, Anyway, uh, returning to transfers again, uh, it's a little annoying that this is coming to a head in the final few days of the window, but uh, Sky Sports have been reporting that Fulham are in talks about signing Alex Awobi. Whether there's any much substance in that, I guess we'll find out. But if if there is, it doesn't really leave as much time to get a deal over the line for us in terms of incoming transfers and 
uh, it would also be a big help if the Damari Gray thing doesn't drag on, you know, past, actually can go past the deadline, seeing as the Saudi window closes later than the Premier League. And that could be another sort of wrinkle for us in terms of raising the funds that we need. But Awobi, you know, he's in the final year of his contract. But Paul, given our financial woes, I mean, is it worth us grabbing what we can for him this week, even if we risk losing arguably our most creative player, one of our hardest working players um, who has led the team in assists for the past two seasons? Oh, that's a really tough one, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, um, I'm sure the money man would uh, would, would say it, um, it, it. He's got to go, and that might that might be the end of it, really. I, I don't know, but... Uh... I think we had we, I think we had a lot of chat about this uh, MP season. I mean, like we spoke about you know a number of players and you know should he stay go etc. And uh, I think Iwobi is one of them. I probably have the same answer. I'm just like, well, I don't know what we can get better for that money. I don't, you know, really. I mean, how much? How much what do we think Iwobi would fetch with, with such a little time on his contract? Twenty million. Twenty. Yeah. yeah. I've seen twelve million bandied around. Well, 12 million, I just don't think it's worth taking. Yeah. Really? I don't know what we're going to get. I mean, unless they can piece another, pull another rabbit out of the hat and say that before we've even seen Beto play. But, like, uh, you know, unless we, you know, unless he can really sort of, uh, you know, work something really, really well. I don't know if it replaces, uh, if, if that would allow us to sort of go and then bid for Gononto if you're looking at that money and uh, the, the Marley Gray money, mm-hmm. hypothetically, if that all comes in. And yet, Gononto, but I think that, I mean, I think if, if we're selling Gray and replacing him with Gononto, I'm all happy days with that. If we're selling Awobi, that, that's just, okay, you get into both of them. So if, you, if you're swapping out Awobi with Gononto, I don't know. I think Awobi brings so much more in a lot of different ways. Like Gononto might maybe get down the wing quicker and get a ball in more, but Awobi has a lot of different attributes and a lot of different qualities and an amazing amount of fitness, really. Um, so I think it'd be an absolutely... A really, really tough loss. I think having Alex, uh, losing Alex to he seems a popular lad as well um, around around the group. Um, <clears throat> so um, I think they might have to take the money because they, they, it's Everton and the state state that we're in. They might just have to, but um, you know, I think it's a it's a risk because the cost of relegation is a lot is is a lot more costly than you know than than the the twelve million quid or whatever it is you're going to get for the Wobie now. I think. You can see why they would take it last year of his contract, etc. If if all was equal, you know, if this was a kind of if this was a ship that was just in, you know, not quite so choppy waters, you could see why they might take the money and invest it somewhere else. But to me, he does. I'm just writing down here like what our options are, both in the wide wide areas and also in central midfield. I mean, he does a job in both areas. So he's an option. I've got Dobbin, Harrison, uh, Harrison uh, Danjuma and McNeil are our wide men at the moment. Alex Awobi, you'd add to that list and say he could do a job on the flank. In central midfield, or if he wants to play in a bit more of a kind of advanced position, which Decore has been doing, you've got Onana, Garner Gay, Garner, Decore. The only other thing I can think of here is, are they banking on Dele working out? Because I've kind of forgotten about Dele Ali. Um, and he's someone that is available to us. Um, do they think you're all? Well, you, yeah, I don't know. It's to me, he does too many things to let him go for something like twelve million. It doesn't seem to make any sense for me because you're almost losing two players really in terms of is just his adaptability. Um, unless they've got, unless I mean, how do we know what the balance sheet looks like? But unless if they got rid of him, that would unlock money to go and get Nonto, or you could go and buy a another wide man. I don't know. I, uh, it just seems like he he's got. We, I, I get frustrated with Alex Awobi, um, and I wasn't on the post match Aston Villa pod. So can I just say the way he used the ball in the first 10 minutes was utterly infuriating. Or actually <laughs> didn't use the ball, I should say. I mean, it was just, oh my goodness me. Like, yeah. So he's frustrating, but he also makes things happen. And he's hardworking and he's fit unless he's pulled his hamstring. And he can play in several different positions. So I, it's a lot to consider there to let him go, especially to Fulham, who may well end up kind of in the same area of the table as us. I mean, 
I don't know. It seems like a bit of a risk to me, unless it's nailed on that that money can definitely go and do X, Y, and Z. Um, yeah, on, on the face of it, I'm, gonna, I'm saying keep him, really. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree at that money. I think unless the big asterisk is if if there is a plan, if if it unlocks money for, say, getting the likes of Suleiman in on loan and another central midfield player, perhaps um, because you touched on it earlier, Lyndon, about um, Garner Gay's performances. We've also been shunting James Garner out wide, and um, I think we can all agree that's not his best position. So. We're probably better stopped now. Um, obviously, injuries bite. So, yeah, we're looking at wide options now thinking, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. But that's on the caveat that everyone stays fit as well. Um, it's it's his versatility, I think, is, is, is the reason that I would probably sway towards keeping him, even though I, I agree with everything that's been said about him. He's, he's infuriating, but also... Um, productive in equal measure I guess um if if he is to stay then I'd really like him to add goals to his game I think that's something we've not really seen enough of in his time you know you I, I saw a post earlier that um on, on Twitter that someone said like essentially kind of traded off um that that Newcastle goal um in Lampard's uh sort of first half season spell you think you'd love to see more of that, more of those kind of driving runs forward, more of getting into those positions and the composure he showed in that in that game. Um, but yeah, he, he creates chances, he does things, he's quick, he works really hard, seems a nice guy. But then if 20 million comes along and we're in a situation where he, he leaves for free next summer and we're pretty skint, then it makes it a lot harder to say no. But I think, yeah, it has to surely be on the basis that someone else, at least someone else, if not potentially a couple, maybe come in. It looks very likely that we're going to be in a relegation fight this season based on how the first few games are gone. Um, hopefully we won't be, but it looks like we probably will. I would say Iwobi last two seasons, when the going's got tough, he's really got going, Alex Iwobi. But, you know, in the final 15, however many twenty, however many games where, you know, the, 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 the difficulty has been very stark and very apparent, He's really got going. He's a bit of a bit of a talisman almost, you could say, and then the way he's been in that. So, again, if we're talking about the cost of relegation, well, if, you'd pay twelve million quid not to get relegated, wouldn't you? If you know what I mean. So, like, if, um, if that's <laughs> yes. saying the value, then um, yeah. So, uh, you'd rather let him leave for free um, because I think he's gonna be, he, he might turn to be might become a very very important player. Will be, I'm sure, if we're in the relegation fight. Yeah, this this one is a really really difficult one because he's you know he's got all those qualities as you say he's really he is really really industrious. Um, if when he when he's playing on that right flank, he's obviously a big help to to Nathan Patterson and Seamus Coleman. With, you know, with the legs, he gets up and down the pitch. I mean, he does have unbelievable stamina. It's yeah, you know the flip side of it obviously is he's he is frustrating. Um, he can you know, give the ball away in, in really bad areas, which I think we saw a couple of times against Leicester. There are those sort of lapses in his game. He doesn't score enough goals. And part of that may be that he's not playing in his preferred position. And so the flip side of it for me is, is that if Deitch isn't ever going to play him in that sort of number 10 role, which I don't think he's going to, it just doesn't seem to be something that Deitch really employs is that kind of kind of creative playmaker type number 10. I think he wants to have someone more like Decore who's got the legs and the power um, to support, you know, whatever lone striker is, is playing up there. The other, the other thing with Wobi is he's out until mid-September at least. He could be missing for six weeks in the new year because of the Africa Cup of Nations. So when you're looking at just the number of matches that you could get out of Alex Wobi this season compared to the money that we could potentially bring in. And as I say, I don't know whether this 12 million fee is, is, is even accurate. It's just something that I've seen um, from some of the reports on online. Um, if it's closer to 20, then obviously that's a different story. Uh, if, you, if you think that at Southampton, we're trying to get 15 million out of us for Che Adams, who's also in the last year of his contract, you'd think that the we'll, Wobi we'll might fetch a little bit more. But yeah, so if, if we can use that money to get someone like Nanto, which I think is probably unlikely at this point, or someone like Johan Bakayoko from, from PSV, 
Um, obviously, there's Suleimana again, which he's he's more of a kind of head down De La Feu type sort of run at the defense and, and cause you know problems kind of player. Whereas well, he's got a lot more to his game, but again, there's there's this this consistency issue with um with Awobi, and is someone like you know James Garner who can also pick a pass from central midfield. Maybe we have you know maybe we have an alternative there. It's a it's a really really interesting one. I just hope that uh, you know if if it is if it does come to if they do want to take the money, I just pray they've got someone lined up and we can get it over the line before before the deadline. Yeah, the times have it as in excess of twenty million pounds if he was to leave this late in the window. Yeah, okay. So hmm. that suggests that maybe it's there's there's a deal to be done, but also not not unless we've got someone else lined up in time. Yeah, that changes things. That kind of money, it definitely does. And I think Sky mentioned that there's another team, another two teams potentially looking. Yes, it comes down to maybe a little bit of what Alex Awobi wants as well. He's he's made noises of obviously wanted to play, you know, Champions League football. Yeah. Um, and obviously that that's not going to be something he's going to get a full on. Does he want to get back to the capital? Does he want to get back to London? You know, is yeah, he, is he, is he, maybe he's more comfortable there. I'm interested. It wasn't a, a club abroad as well. I wouldn't know who they are. Yeah. Would yeah. that be? Yeah. I mean, so you got. I mean, it's a similar thing with the Marvy Gray, isn't it? We've going to. Um, you know, it's. You got to think it's a human being at the end of the day, and Evans like, oh yeah, he's going to go to Saudi. Yeah, he's like, oh, what's he twenty seven? It's not one of the older ones like Henderson, for example, who's had most of his career and can go away for his payday and you know live away from his family for the year or so, then come back. It's like bang in the middle of his career, young family, things like that. It's all these things you consider, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. so it's easy for us to say, oh, he's just going to go there and he's going to go and do that. It's it's what the player wants to do as well <laughs> at the end of the day, and it's it might come down to what Alex wants to do as much as, as anything else, I guess. Um, does he want to go to Fulham? I don't know if he does. But also, they they might turn around and say, "Well, we're going to play you as our number 10. and that again, that's another that's another thing. Again, with Damari Gray, you know, he played a lot of his time for us up front. It's not his preferred position, so mm-hmm. that that comes into it from a football point of view as well. So. I would also argue that um, Marcus Silva didn't really get a lot out of Alex Iwobi when, no, when, no. when he had him at Everton. So yeah. it's not exactly, it doesn't feel like a dream combination somehow. <laughs> That's uh, true too. Mourinho and Lukaku are hooking up again and that, that never really worked. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. so money talks is what we're saying. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, often does. Uh, following on from that, um, I'll pose the same question to you fellas as I did on Twitter yesterday, which uh, on the Toffee Web account, which was um, obviously before the news of Iwobi's potential departure. So let's set him aside for a moment and assume just for this that he'll still be with us uh, come the weekend and beyond the deadline. Um, and given that we don't have uh, the pot of gold that Sean Dyche refers to in the media, and we can't address what I think uh, most of us feel are issues in quite a few areas of the team. If we could sign just one more player before the transfer deadline, what's the position that we should look to fill the most urgently? It's it's a really hard one, isn't it? Um, I did like the response from uh, David Jones on Toffee Web, which was all one word, right wing back, centre midfield half. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> uh, 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 didn't someone say chairman as well? Yes, they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That tickled me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Oh dear. Yeah, I missed that one. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 really tough, isn't it? Because if you obviously um now the sign of Beto's got over line, you feel okay, that's sort of ticked off, um, all being well. Um I would I would like a kind of direct wide player. You mentioned Delafeo before, Lyndon, someone like that, someone exciting and yeah. fast um to feed our our new hungry centre forward. But then you could you could easily point to centre midfield. You could easily point to a, a kind of defensive midfielder um with the likes of Garner Gay's form. I, I feel a lot of fans would probably like a kind of creative, exciting midfielder, but I just I can't see that necessarily functioning in that Deitch side, um, again, you said it earlier about Iwobi. If, if he's if he's not going to get that number ten role in the Deitch, it's probably down to the system um, more than uh, his ability as a player. But yeah, I'd, so I'd, I'd probably say a, a wide player, so a Nonto or or some, someone who can who can beat a man um, who could essentially have been the probably the alternative to Dobbin at the weekend. I've got to say he. 
when when he came off, we actually looked a lot less threatening going forward, and he he offered a, a lot of willingness and effort, and he was putting in slide tackles to win the ball back. Um, but I feel like he'd, he'd be a much better option off the bench as opposed to someone you want starting games in the Premier League when you need to when you need to win essentially. So having someone who could do that um, as an alternative to um, to McNeil and Harrison and the others would probably be my pick. How about you, Paul? Well, I'm just going on um, like numbers, um, what we got for each position. Um, I, my initial one was centre back, centre back, centre back, because I feel um, we just we just really, you know, I've been saying that all summer. Maybe we need some fresh blood in there. It's going to work, but we're limited to what we got. Say we can only bring one in, and we've got four centre backs, centre backs, whether you like them or not. We've got four centre backs, so we um, and Sean Dyche has worked with them all apart from Danforth, I guess, for for a while now, and he knows them. He worked, worked with two of them for a particularly long time. <laughs> you, you'd like to think at some point you can get a tune out of them, and we've got maybe a few players who can add a bit of an emergency cover at centre-back as well. So um, probably, you know, kind of reluctantly move on from that one. If, as you said um, in the sort of question, Iwobi stays, then that means we've got four wingers, essentially, if you, if you count Iwobi as one, because you've also got McNeil, Harrison, and um, Dan Juma. Um up front now, we've got another option. Plenty of midfield players, except for I don't feel we've got anyone else who can play that holding defensive midfield role other than Adrissa Gay. People say, oh, you stick an honor there. I don't know if you can. I don't know if Dice feels he can anyway. And I think an honor brings better qualities, you know, further the pitch out and about, snapping tackles there and, put, and hopefully eventually playing the ball around a bit more. For all you might criticise Adrissi Gay and with some justification, um, he's our only def- he's our only sort of player who's capable of doing that sort of defensive mid holding sort of role. If we were to lose him, we'd certainly notice a, big, a, a bit, you know, a, a lack of a man who can tackle as much as he can intercept, and his pass completions are actually very good. So, if we um, believe it or not, I don't know how much he seems to give it away. So, um, <laughs> if if we were to lose him to any sort of injury, and we've lost Tom Davis, obviously. We have no cover there whatsoever. And that worries me a little bit. I know he doesn't tend to get injured much, but I think Adressa Gay would, would, would probably benefit as well from competition for places in that position mm. too. So if we can get a... Um, yeah, I think that, you know, I think that'd be the position. Otherwise, you, you're going back to sort of square pegs and round holes again. Just when it's looking like once everyone's fit, we've got something resembling a bit of a squad flavor position. If I had a luxury, I'd, get, I'd go and get a, a really good left back. You know what I mean, but uh, um, but I don't think we really got that luxury, so I had to go with what we got there. So, yeah, um, defensive maybe Calvin Phillips on loan, something like that. I don't know if somebody can come in and, and do that job and, and provide good competition um, in defensive mid. Uh, completely agree, uh, defensive midfielder, because, but for a slightly different reason. In that, I don't think we've got one. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, and, and that's yeah. not that's not. <laughs> That's not me having a go at Adrissa Gay, but I just don't think he's a holding midfielder. I, I just don't think he is. If you watch the wall, the sorry, the Villa away game, I know they played two number tens, so it's a, maybe a bit of a kind of a strange example. But how easy is it to pass into the hole between our defence and midfield? It's just so straightforward, and there's no one in there with that kind of who can be that kind of pivot and that. Um, positionally sound defensive midfielder. They don't have to be the best tackler in the world or have all the energy in the world. That's not what you... I don't think that's what our midfield needs. We've got plenty of legs in our midfield. It's someone who has the discipline and the awareness of where to be. And I think if you've got a a proper holding midfielder, a proper holding midfielder, not someone that's just playing there, someone who actually knows the position really well, I think it allows you to unlock the rest of it. I, I would be, I, I would put all my money, and I don't know what that would be in Everton terms after all this happens, but I would put all the effort into getting a proper holding midfielder because um, it, it kind of would almost free up, it almost frees up Ghana Gay to be an option with Onana in the one further forward, almost a bit more of a kind of... Um, kind of a ball-winning midfielder, but not sitting in that hole. Um, to me, that's what the team needs, and it's needed it for some time. Um, I don't think we've had anybody that plays that position well since Gareth Barry. 
We've got Jean-Paul and Bamin to come back from injury soon. So. <laughs> <laughs> is he the um, the next Al Ghazi for you, Adam? It just seems to be sneaking yeah, into yeah. every sort of uh, podcast. <laughs> I need, I need, I need someone to, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I need, I need a great white hope to hang my hat on. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, do, I do agree, Bud. When we link with a guy from somewhere in Scandinavia, quite a bit. Um, I, I, I'm really struggling on the name. Um, South African midfielder, I think. Uh, South American midfielder, sorry. Um, mm. It's not. It's not coming to me. Um, Google's frantically. Yeah. <laughs> tap, 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 tap. I, but I, I was even thinking. I was even thinking. Then some of the uh, um, players who who were relegated were lesser like. I don't know. Is it, is is it indeed he still indeed, Leicester? Like, yeah. some, someone like him, like a kind of more. Yeah. Um, I think Forrest or like that maybe. I, I don't know, but. Mm. Forest looking at everybody. <laughs> That's true too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I find myself. I'm, my, I find my head is like the. Um, if you scroll up the replies to that tweet on on, on the Toffee Web tweet, it's you know there's there's centre mid, centre mid, centre back, full back, pacey winger, uh, you know, and then central defender, centre half. It just kind of there's no one can really decide because we do have you know holes in in quite a few places. Yeah. I do like the idea of getting someone in who is defensively minded and versatile, whether it's someone who can play both that kind of cent- um, sort of defensive midfield and centre half, or centre half and fullback like the uh, like Elvedi, I think, who we've been uh, linked with, the Swiss defender at Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, someone like that who can who mm. can sort of perform more than and uh, more than two roles because I think versatility when you are strapped for. Um, as cash as we are is, is really important. I just, yeah, I, I just find myself going back and forth trying to decide which is the most important area to fill, which is why I'm hoping that it's not just one for the loan. We can get really, uh, really creative in, in terms of loans. Um, you know, there's still a couple of those players out there who, again, will be able to attract someone like Eric Dyer. I don't know. I see that he was left out of Tottenham's, um, squad for their cup match tonight so maybe he's potentially looking to go somewhere you know rob holding they might be looking at, at somewhere sort of more attractive but there are options out there um in the loan market and i'm hoping that that's an avenue that we're going to pursue over the next few days i'm just the, i did I, i'm completely with you there's a huge toss-up in my head when you pose the question uh, and i did originally think center half but we have i'm going to use my words carefully here we have functional centre-halves in the squad. I just don't think we've got a functional central midfielder that can hold. Mm. Yeah, no, mm. that's a good point. Em- Emiliano Martinez, that's what I was trying to think of. Oh, yeah, okay. Remember the name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <if> I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> because you didn't, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Just to, to finish off, then uh, we'll look ahead to Sheffield United away. Uh, another one of those fixtures that could up, could end up being really important uh, in the final reckoning, seeing as the Blades will almost certainly be there or thereabouts at the bottom this season. I highly doubt that Beto, as I said earlier, will start at Doncaster tomorrow. Uh, so soon after arriving, I think that honour will go to Yusuf Chimiti. And uh, with Deitch being so conservative as we know him to be, you'd normally think that he would withhold the new signing from the starting 11 at Bramall Lane as well. But I mean, I think unless Chimiti bags a, a couple in the, in the cup tomorrow, is there, is there something to be said for Deitch just feeling the pinch so much and the need for goals so much that he'll throw Beto in uh, due to our chronic need for goals and points? Yeah, I'll be, I'll be surprised if he starts the game on um, on Saturday, just, just, just given how... Yeah, Sean Deitch has been really. I mean, I, I don't know how... I guess he must be pretty fit. He just started and... CBR, didn't he? Um, had a good three season. I don't know. I think they should want a good luck on him, won't he? Um, he's got to, he's got to have his gaffer day. Does <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He might see it. And as Beto isn't going to be on international duty, is he, with Portugal? So he's got no. a real good opportunity, Dice, to sort of have a real good luck on him for. Unless they're taking 55 people on the plane. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not um, in this instance. Um, so yeah, I don't think he'll start on um, at Bramall Lane. Um, I wouldn't have thought um, it might kind of be the same again. I don't know. Um, let, 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 let's see. I think we're all dying to see him, aren't we? Um, I don't think he'll be involved tomorrow night either. I think that's a, yeah, that's a bit of a push. And 
Yeah, let, let, let's see. But uh, yeah, I fancy us against Sheffield United somehow either way. In in that, like, I just maybe it's just you know everything crossed. I just I don't know. But I just don't think Everton are going to go four games without scoring a single goal and getting to the, <laughs> the getting to the first international break without a single point. I just don't see. Surely we can, you know, surely we can we can get something there. It's hard to judge Sheffield United against uh, Man City because they were just they just dug in for the hole until Man City scored and I you know, got a bit of got got a little bit of a lucky goal from a mistake and then then conceded again. Yeah, you know I mean, so the, yeah, it's hard. That's all I've seen in them really this season. I don't really know what 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 else they have to offer. Um, but I'm hopeful that just if we, you know, the number of chances we created so far. Surely someone has to go in sooner or later. Um, so hopeful, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll 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 get we'll get hopefully the three points from that one. Yeah, definitely. I think I think yeah, it's, it's two trips South Yorkshire. Um, I think yeah, I I, can, I can't see um, I can't see Deitch feeling a particularly strong squad in the way that maybe we have done in recent sort of cup games where we've tried to kind of instill some confidence uh, with a strong side and then it's. Uh, hopelessly backfired. Sorry, Adam, but what does he have though in terms of switching it around at the moment? I feel like maybe, maybe centre half and that back four is an area because I mean we, we spoke about Mikalenko. You, you, you'd feel like he comes back into the side for Doncaster, yeah. and Godfrey um, hasn't played yet, so you think Godfrey might get some minutes? Yeah, does he? I mean, do, does he play Mope up front to try and give him a, a bit of a confidence boost slash maybe? You know, put him in the shop window. Uh, see if Don Caston needs a striker. Um, but well, play Chimiti, wouldn't you? And get him some I, 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 I would. I would. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe goes two up top with those two. I, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah. it, I feel like there's. And then, I mean, you look at other fringe players. You think, I mean, we've not we've not really spoken about Andre Gomez, but he's been on the bench and is around the squad and is somehow still there uh, as part of our <laughs> growing Portuguese contingent. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see whether he maybe gets a few minutes because, again, yeah, he's, he's another player who you'd, you'd expect to have gone by now. But um, I, I guess the players who are, who are likely to drop out in midweek are, are your, uh, you know, Ananas and may, maybe Dan Juma as well because we've kind of... If, if if he's had a sort of carefully managed plan, that plan's kind of changed a little bit with the uh, injuries to Iwobi and Carlet Lear, where he's kind of been introduced earlier, probably than planned. Um, but I, I feel like we should have enough to beat Sheffield United. Um, I, I agree. I'd, I'd love to see better from the start, but based on the cautious nature that we've seen with Deitch and new signings, I, it, it probably does make sense to. Um, I say makes sense. It's probably more logical that he'll introduce him off the bench. If he doesn't, then it it says either a he's very impressed by Beto, or b we have a centre forward who is in the Sean Dyche mould, and he's happy happy to kind of uh, break his own rules, I guess, and go, "Yep, you're ready." Um, so it'll be an interesting one to see. But I, it, I think going into the international break. If we scrape a win uh, tomorrow night, at Doncaster, and do the same against Sheffield United, the, the whole mood changes, doesn't it? And if we can maybe get a bit of business done over line as well, and if the squad's looking stronger than it, it did at the end of last season, then it's it's not the awful start to the season that it has been so far. But this is Everton, so uh, ask me again in a week. Actually, I'll be on holiday, so don't ask me again. But, uh, yeah, I'll be trying to forget or <laughs> forget or, or look back uh, wistfully at uh, two trips to South Yorkshire uh, and um, <laughs> some, some gold immunion bag, hopefully. I've got a funny feeling, a weird feeling about the Sheffield United game. It, I don't know why, because because everything points to, as we've been discussing really, everything points to things potentially coming together with a bit of good recruitment and a bit of, you know, transfer market activity in the next few days, you could quite conceivably see Everton in not a bad place by the end of the week with the players they've managed to get in. I just wonder, this is this is Everton we're talking about, I'm just wondering whether we're going to have possibly another frustrating day and that might be in the, in the guise of a point something along those lines. Um, I don't think Sheffield United are going to be particularly easy to break down. Um, I don't know. 
I've got it in my head. I don't know why that it's going to be a really frustrating um, international break where we can see all these players are going to be there or thereabouts by the time the, the end of the international break comes comes around. So Harrison might be a bit closer. Beto will probably be up to speed. You know, whoever might keep coming back and new signings. Da da da. da. I just don't know. I I just hope we're better than we were at Villa. And if we're not, then we're not going to get anything from it again, are we? I don't know. I don't, not not usually me to be kind of particularly pessimistic about results, but it's not. I've got a funny feeling about that Sheffield United game. I think we might need to have a little bit of patience over the next uh, three weeks, four weeks. That this all this movement, or I say all this movement, hopefully all this movement and players coming back to fitness will actually bear fruit at some point. I just don't know whether. The Sheffield United game might be a bit too soon for that. Yeah, it might. I was encouraged by the away games at the towards the end of last season. I almost felt like we sort of went away from home and played with a bit more freedom, just because you know the home, the pressure of the home crowd and, and that sort of that need to win those home games. But which is why the Avila game was so, so alarming. Um, so I think if we just need to, if we've learned anything from the Villa game, it's that we need to just be a lot more composed, a lot more compact and a lot more patient, I think, than, than sort of trying to come out all guns blazing. Um, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, I mean, at, at least, I mean, a point well, obviously doesn't do that much good, but in terms of the psychology and the morale, I think just if you can just pick up something, just get that, get that monkey off our back, hopefully score a goal, um, that would be nice. Um, I, I sort of more or less glossed over um, Doncaster really I mean the, <laughs> this being Everton the, the the 92nd place team in the league um, we we couldn't could we really <laughs> oh we could <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, we, we, we certainly can <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> it did send, send a shiver down my spine when I heard that actually I was like no that can't be <laughs> oh it's true yeah. it's true yeah, just curious what team goes out there. I mean, like I say, there's not scope to change it loads. I didn't really factor in Andre Gomez. That, that that is an option. I mean, looking at the bench from the other day, yeah, well, well, on Yango get some minutes or something like that. You know, what I mean, there's a, you know, it's really sort of a. If he's wanting to rest players, the point I'm trying to make is, if he wants to rest players, there's really not a lot to rest. You know, really not a not and be competitive in the game. There's there's really not a lot of players you can you can rotate out really from certainly from midfield. Um, anyway, so just very intrigued to see what uh, what team ends up playing playing tomorrow night. Because if it is on Yango and that, you're thinking, well, he's well, he's writing this off completely. If it is like an on and gone etc., then it's like, okay, well, we're giving it a little bit of a go. So I'd be interested to see uh, see what happens uh, with the team in that one tomorrow night. I haven't filled out any squares on my new chart yet, <laughs> which is um, which is really troubling me. I hope by now that I might have a little bit of green on there, but there is um, no movement on the chart. <laughs> yeah, let's start with a goal. And a point, and then go from there. <laughs> okay, Blues, uh, we'll leave it there for this episode. But if there is action involving Everton, uh, perhaps by Thursday, uh, we'll be back with a look back at that and the Doncaster tie and a bit of a transfer special. Uh, until then, Blues, all the best and up the Portuguese buying toffees. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.